I realized as I looked around the room that you were already applying the sermon. So we're done. We can we can be done. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to 1 Corinthians 16. 1 Corinthians 16. As the Apostle Paul closes his first letter to the Corinthian church, he gives them five phrases on how to live in this life. Five phrases that summarize much of his teaching in the letter. Five phrases on how brothers and sisters in the church family can get through anything, including the kinds of trials that the church in Corinth was facing. And we've spent three weeks looking at these five phrases. Today we end with the final phrase, let all that you do be done in love. So we need to be watchful. We need to stand firm in the faith. We need to have courage and strength to face the trials God puts in our chapters. And then to put a bow on it, we need love. Let me pray first, and then I will read 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Happy Father's Day, Lord. You love us. Your love is steadfast. You've never been a bad father. You've never gotten over angry at us or under angry at us. You've never lacked grace and mercy for us. You've never said, I'm too busy to talk to you, to us. You're a good, good father. And we want to love each other like you love us. So teach us that this morning. Teach us what you mean when you say love. And help us love each other with your love. Give us loving hearts to receive your word from you this morning. Help us receive it with obedience and joy. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. 1 Corinthians 16, verses 13 and 14. It is reprinted on the back of your bulletin, along with something else we're going to look at this morning. Let's hear the good and glorious word of our Lord. Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. All that you do be done in love. Is that you? When people talk about you, do they say, she does everything in love? Every moment, every word, every morning, every evening, every trial. Love. Is that you? He's always loving, always caring. Is that you? Do you want to be like that? I want to be like that. I want to be known for my love. And God wants to be known for his love too. God is love. Verse 14, let all that you do be done in love. So I could say, go home and love perfectly all summer, and you've got this. But we need to define love. What is love? Don't shout it out, but when I say that, what do you think of? What is love? What popped into your mind? 
The world has an answer for us about love. You'll see signs like, love is love. But that isn't really specific. How is that going to help? How are we going to know? And how is that going to help us in a difficult situation when love is actually really hard? Especially in the church in Corinth. The church had lots of problems. 1 Corinthians is full of problems. And so Paul reminds them that everything they do in response to the trials they're facing needs to be done in love. And if love was so easy, if love was just love and it was really natural for everyone, all of our sinful hearts, then he wouldn't have to remind them over and over and over and over again to love all throughout the chapters and then here at the end say, and remember to do everything in love, it doesn't come naturally to us. Love of self comes naturally to us, but not God's love, not love of others. They lacked love in the Corinthian church, and we are not perfectly loving either. They lacked love. I bet you've seen that before. Try to use your imagination. Can you imagine people having truth, but not love? Answers, but not love? Suggestions, but not love? Can you picture that? I bet you can. Maybe you visited a doctor who had wisdom, but no love. A church that had good teaching, but no love. A relative who had great resources, but no love. A government that had a lot of programs, but no love. Can you picture that? I bet you can. Love isn't supposed to be a nice bonus, cherry on top, To life. Love is essential. It's essential for church life, and we see it all over the New Testament letters, and it's essential for life in general. So, what is love? Well, we're going to start with the gospel. The gospel is love. What is love? The gospel is love. In fact, we're not going to know how to love well unless we understand that we've been loved first. 1 John 4 19. We love because he first loved us. So we need to stare at the gospel when we remember what love is. But John, in John, 1 John 4, he continues, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he's a liar. And so we've got to be careful because we can think we're being loving, but we've got hate in our hearts and then we're not really loving at all, are we? We're trying to put love actions on top of a hateful heart, and that doesn't work. Love is essential for the Christian life and for humans to thrive. And this is why the message of Jesus, the gospel, has changed billions of lives for 2,000 years. The song we're going to sing at the end is, How Deep the Father's Love for Us. We're going to sing it, and it is Father's Day. So let's think of our Heavenly Father's love for us. Let me read one of the verses because gospel is love and we've got to get that front and center if we're going to do it. How deep the Father's love for us, how vast beyond all measure that he should give, there's love, give his only son to make a wretch his treasure. How great the pain of searing loss, the father turns his face away as wounds which mar the chosen one. Bring many sons to glory. That's love. Why do you think John 3.16 is the most famous Bible verse in human history? 
Why is it so famous? Because it's about God's love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. So the love of God changes our life and allows us to love others. But Paul needed to write this to the Corinthian church because they had a love deficit. They struggled loving each other. They struggled with love, even though they knew the gospel of Jesus Christ. So I'll ask you, where is it really hard to love right now? Who in your life is hard to love? Who is hard for you to put first before yourself? Where does love become a real struggle for you? Well, it's in that area where you need to stare at the gospel and the love of Jesus Christ for you so that you might obey the Lord's calling to love that person or in that situation. Paul says, whatever you do, do it in love. So what is love? First of all, the gospel is love. That's love. God gave his son for us. But we need to keep asking the question. It has to have more tangibility to that. Well, love is learned. So the gospel is love. And second, love is learned. Again, 1 John four nineteen. We love because he first loved us. So to find out what love is, we have to watch the love of God and learn how God loves us. We have to read the stories of Jesus and stare at how he loved people because love is learned. Children learn what love is in their home growing up, and usually the things that they saw in their home are reduplicated in their own homes as they build homes as adults because love is learned, and that can be a good thing or it can be a really bad thing. If bad love is learned, if selfish love is learned. So we need to stare at the love of God so that we can love well. So let's answer the question, what is love? The world says love is love, but they don't actually mean that. I love bacon. And I love my wife. And those are different things. I used to love mid-90s gangster rap. And I don't love it anymore because it's not the mid-90s anymore. I mean, I did. I did. Yes, I confess. There is forgiveness for me. Love of music, love of bacon, love of spouse, love is love. What does that mean? There must be a better phrase. What is love? Well, we're going to find out that love is what God says it is. And we have a great guide to love earlier in the letter to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 13. If you have your Bible with you, I encourage you to turn back to 1 Corinthians 13. You're probably familiar with this if you read your Bible regularly or if you've been to a wedding or two in the past few years. It is very commonly read at weddings, but guess what? It's not for the person you choose to love for the rest of your life. This chapter is for the brothers and sisters in God's family that he has put you together with who are harder to love than the spouse you choose for the rest of your life. So this is actually supposed to be read before dicey congregational meetings. 
What is love? We're going to get to verse 4 in a moment. That's the list. Love is the gospel. Love is learned. And now we're going to have this list of what love is. Before we get there, listen to Paul's warning. Because I remember a day when I tried to have the good things of the Lord and do the things of God without having love in my heart. So 1 Corinthians 13 verse 1. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love... I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I bet you've seen that before. You bet you think, I know some noisy gongs. Maybe you're a noisy gong at times when you lack love. Verse 2. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, I mean, picture someone who can move a mountain with faith but have not love, I am nothing. Verse 3, and if I give all away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Stop there. There are people who have religious activity, but no love, and Paul says it's empty. There are people who are big-time financial givers to Christian nonprofits, and God says, if you don't have love, what's the point of giving it all away? There are people willing to die for what they believe in, but they don't have love. And Paul says, that's not true love. That's missing the point. You can do all these great religious things that make you famous, and if you don't have love, Paul says, it's worthless. So what is love? We're going to look at verses 4 through 8. And this is reprinted on the back of the bulletin so you can have a list. And maybe as I read 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, why don't you underline or take note of one or two of these phrases that you know you're asking the Lord to help you love better in. Verses 4 through 8 of 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And then the beginning of verse 8, love never ends. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, steadfast love of God. It never ends. Hop ahead if you have your Bible open to verse 13. Paul concludes the love chapter. Now faith, hope, and love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. So what is love? The gospel is love. Love is learned. And love is actions and attitudes. Actions and attitudes. Every one of these things is an action and an attitude. You have to show it and you have to feel it, right? It's an action and an attitude. And usually, if you don't have the attitude, it's hard to do the action. Or sometimes you can do the action without the attitude, but you really want to ask God for help to do the actions and have the attitude because God's love is his actions for the world and his attitude for the world. For God so loved the world, attitude, he gave action. And all of these things are actions and attitudes. Notice that none of them are like I love bacon. Right? None of these are like that. 
God's definition of love is so much greater. And following Jesus means being his disciple, obeying his commands to do loving things, but also loving people like he loved. Because the greatest of these is love. All right, well, let's look at these phrases again in 1 Corinthians 13. One phrase at a time. That's how we'll spend the rest of our message this morning. And we're going to ask two questions. What is the phrase? What does it mean? And second, how does Jesus do it for us? Because we've got to see how he loves us if we're going to be able to do it. All right, that's what we'll do. And once we see how Jesus does it, well, we love because he first loved us. Verse 4, everyone's favorite. Love is patient and kind. Uh, What is patience? Um, The joke is that patience is what you get when there are too many witnesses. You're in a situation and you want to get really fiery angry, but there are too many witnesses and you finally have patience. Like, I'm going to hold it in. I'm not going to act out. And if there aren't any other witnesses, then sometimes you don't show patience. What is patience? It's helpful to think about the opposite. What is impatience? Impatience is demanding that every single human being on the planet revolve around your schedule. Every single car on the road makes sure that they're driving in a way that perfectly lets you have a stress-free drive or commute. Impatience is demanding that no one else ever need you, bother you, or bug you. It's really hard to get through an hour on earth without that. Impatience tells the world, look at me. I am the most important. Everyone notice. Everyone watch out because I have arrived. And that's not kind. Patience and kindness go together. Consider Jesus now. Does Jesus show patience and kindness? Well, Jesus really is the most important person in the universe. He is the king, and he came and walked among us, and he didn't walk around saying, everybody, look at me, look at how amazing I am. No, he came with patience and kindness. Consider Jesus and the patience he shows sinners, rebels, outcasts, and wayward children. Look at the patience Jesus shows his disciples in the Gospels and you in your discipleship. Jesus is quick to listen when his disciples are slow to listen. When the disciples are slow to understand, Jesus has patience. When we're slow to obey, when we're slow to grow, when we're slow to mature, when we're slow to get it, Jesus has patience. Jesus shows incredible patience. And what is more kind than dying for your enemies? Love is patient and kind. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. Romans 5.8, God showed his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? Amen. We continue. Love does not envy or boast. So what is envy? It's wanting what someone else has to the point where you would be fine if they didn't have it anymore. Or you want it so that you can have it and you're not happy that your friend has it. You're only happy if you get it one day. That is envy. It pits you and your happiness against your loved one's happiness. It's wanting their life or their money or their health or their marriage, or their kids, or their career, or their trials, 
It's wanting something to boast about. Love does not envy or boast. Envy is a constant focus on self. C.S. Lewis wrote the Screwtape Letters, and in it, uh, demons are fictitiously describing the kind of world they want to create, particularly in a Christian community. Uh, But they're trying to create this world, and it's really hell on earth. And listen to what the demons are describing in this fictional work about what hell really is. We must picture hell as a state where everyone is perpetually concerned about his own dignity and advancement, where everyone has a grievance, and where everyone lives with the deadly serious passions of envy, self-importance, and resentment. Isn't that a word for our day? And that's hell on earth. When everyone is consumed with me, I'm not even happy when someone else is happy. I can't even rejoice with them when they rejoice. Envy, self-centeredness, boasting divides, but God's love unites. Think about what Jesus did now. Jesus sees all that he has, the inheritance of heaven, the riches and glory of eternal life with the Father and the Son and the Spirit together as a triune, loving community. For all of eternity past, Jesus has all of that. And he gives it up so that we could be invited into that love community. He has it all. We should envy him. And he gives it all up so that we could be invited into his love community. And Paul says that is what can change the world through the church. As God's people get together and we give up everything we have so that everyone else can join into what we have. Jesus has life and he dies so that we can have eternal life. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. Let's continue. We're going to start moving a little quicker. In verse 4, at the end, it is not arrogant, verse 5, or rude. What is arrogance? What is rudeness? It's feeling better than other people. Not just wanting what they have, but knowing that you are better than everyone else. Arrogance is a never-ending pride parade. Consider Jesus. He went on a humble parade. He humbled himself and took on human flesh and became a man and then walked to his own arrest and walked to his own public execution. He humbled himself to knock the pride out of our hearts that we might not be arrogant or rude. Jesus was the king and he didn't consider shouting at everyone to affirm his greatness. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. Let's continue in verse 5. It does not insist on its own way. Are you noticing a theme? Love puts others first. Their heart, their needs, their prayers, their hopes, their dreams, their fears. It means when you enter into a conversation, you are not thinking, how can I get everyone to immediately focus on me? You are thinking, how can I enter into this community, this conversation, this small group, this church, and how can I love them and put them first? Love does not insist on its own way. Well, Jesus did that for us. He put us first. He humbled himself 
and he died in our place. He did not insist on his own way or we would have had no hope. So think back to that question I asked you a few minutes ago. Where is it hardest to love right now? Who is the hardest to love right now? Well, in this chapter of your story, you've been assigned by God to love that person or that situation. And we love because he first loved us. And so this week, if you're going to be able to love well in that situation and that person or people or tons of people, depending on your situation, you need to stare at the love of God for you first and how Jesus put you first so that empowered by his love, you can go put other people first. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. We continue in verse 5. It is not irritable or resentful. Do you struggle with getting irritated? Are you resentful? Do you ask God, why me and not them? They deserve it. I deserve better. Are you resentful? But what does love do? Love stares at the gospel first and remembers that we were sinners who needed a savior. And if we remember that we were sinners who needed a savior, then when there are irritating people around us, we won't be easily irritated. We can have compassion for others instead of hate and anger welling up in our hearts. God is not easily irritated with us. Praise the Lord for that. How deep the Father's love for us. Verse 6 now. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. What does love do? Love calls good, good, and rejoices in the good, and calls evil, evil. And that means our definition of love as Christians is more and more going to look radically different than the definition of love around us, to the point where people are going to say, we hate people. Because if you have anything criticizing to say about anyone, it is considered the highest form of hate now. But God's love, what does God's love do? It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing. It doesn't celebrate evil or wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. And Paul has to say this because earlier in 1 Corinthians in chapter 5, there was a situation of public sexual sin that was going on in the church and nobody loved them enough to speak up. Everybody watched as this sin welled up and tore the community of God's people apart. No one loved their brother and sister enough to call out their sins. And so love does mean naming sins and pointing them out. If you are in relationship with someone and God has called you to love them. So love, according to the world, means never saying anything like that, but Love rejoices, not at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love celebrates the good and love addresses the evil and then love forgives the wrongs because God knows every sin we've committed and he's forgiven us, all those who've placed their faith in Jesus Christ. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. Almost done. Verse seven. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. 
One of the greatest gifts of love that I have received is my wife hoping all things and bearing all things. She's seen me sin in certain categories and she hasn't given up on me. She's kept her wedding vow promises to me, to love me and to bear with me. And when I've sinned in certain ways that have affected the family, she hasn't run and given up, but she said, I'm hopeful that God will continue to work in our home and in your heart. She doesn't say it like that, but she says it with her actions. That's love. I will commit to you and love and hope and bear and deal with because I know God hasn't given up on you yet. That's one of the greatest gifts I've ever received. And yet we've all received that gift from God, haven't we? God has bared all things. Without him bearing all things, we would be without hope. And that's why we need to stare at the gospel if we're going to love well. At the end of Romans 7, Paul says, in light of his own sinful tendencies, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You want a phrase to say this week if you're having a struggle love, loving people? Say, wretched man that I am, wretched woman that I am, who will save me? Thanks be to God, he saved me. That's what love says. Love remembers that we were wretched in our sins, but thanks be to God, he sent Jesus Christ for us. It's hard to not love when you remember that you were a sinner who needed a savior. That's love. How deep the Father's love for us. Finally, verse 8, love never ends. This is our definition of love. What is love? It's committed to the people God has put in your story. That's what love is. Your church, your family, your neighborhood, your coworkers, the kids on the bus, kids in school, whoever God has called you to be around, he calls you to love. And some of you didn't sign up for those people. Some of you were placed against your will into those situations. You didn't sign up for the particular trial you're facing this year, but you still have to love. You didn't pick the family you were born into or the neighborhood you live in, but you're still called to love. Maybe you said, I do, and you had no idea how hard it was going to be in certain seasons to keep your wedding vows and you're called to love. Maybe you brought a child into the world and you had no idea the challenges you were going to face. This week, my family's going up to Johnny and friends, and those families, almost all of them, did not opt in to being a family affected by a serious disability. God gave them that assignment, and they are called to love, even though they had no clue what God was signing them up for. And yet their unconditional love of their family member affected by a serious disability displays the love of Jesus Christ. Love never ends. It's committed. And so we need to stare at Jesus. Because if we're going to love for 20 years or 30 years or 40 years or 50 years or 60 years or longer, we need to remember that Jesus loves us even longer than that. If you need to love for five years, Jesus has loved you longer. He loves with an eternal love. Jesus says, follow me, not just until you die. He doesn't say, I'll love you until you die. He says, I'll love you and follow me through death into the new heavens and the new earth. I will love you forever. Love never ends. Christ's love never ends. It's never-ending love. 
And in the new heavens and the new earth, we see love perfected. Revelation 21, 3, I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them. They will be his people. God himself will be with them as their God. And then think of this. Love in this world to come. Think of this. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Amen. And death shall be no more. Amen. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. But love will not have passed away. Love will be there forever. Your story is never-ending love. Purchased by the eternal Son of God dying on the cross in our place. And Jesus gives that love and puts people together in a church like Corinth, like Skipak. And he says, just look at that love and share it with each other. And then God changes the world through churches that do that. At family retreat this week, my favorite moment It's not my kids' favorite moment. Their favorite moment is unlimited buffet food and no dishes to have to do. That's one of my favorite things. They love everything about it. But Thursday night, the final night of Johnny and Friends week, because we leave Friday after lunch, is the talent show. Where families affected by disability, who the world says have great weaknesses and limitations, we put on a talent show, and there is no two hours on the planet where God's love is more clearly shown than at the family retreat talent show. It's a beautiful thing. It's never-ending, unconditional love of God shown by a community of people who only has Christ in common and who has said, I will love you because Jesus first loved me. But the church can be that. Corinth, despite all of their problems, could be that. Because Paul hoped all things for the church in Corinth. And God hopes all things for the church in Skipak. So here we are at the end of these messages called Stand Firm. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and 14. Friends, be watchful. Stand firm in the faith. Act like men. Be strong. And let all that you do be done in love. That's a huge challenge, isn't it? But thanks be to God. He has given us his son, Jesus. And so fix your eyes on Jesus this week. And his love will equip you and motivate you to love well. So that everything you do can be done in love. We love because he first loved us. And when you stare at the cross... You can stand firm in the faith because it's Father's Day. How deep the Father's love for us. Amen? Let me pray. Father, how deep is your love for us? It's so deep. It's so gracious. It's so merciful. We confess that it's hard to love like you. So help us today feel loved by you and love you in word and deed. Help us stare at the gospel of your son Jesus every day here in Pennsylvania or in Guatemala 
May the Guatemala team be equipped by you to share your love to the Guatemalans. And may we be equipped to love each other in Jesus' name today as you build your church in our hearts and in our church as it is in heaven. Thank you for your love. Help us do everything in love because it'll be for our good and for your glory. Thank you for your deep, deep love. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.